Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Good to see all of you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book, uh, book of Deuteronomy, if I can talk this morning. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 20 here in just a moment. Today, I want to talk to you about words. I want to talk to you about words. Words and the use of words is very important. In fact, Mark Twain once said, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. You know, he may be on to something there because there's a big difference in saying a lightning bug hit my eye than it is saying lightning hit my eye. That's a huge difference there. Words are important. The right words are important. Words have power. They can build up. Words can tear down. They can bring good. They can bring evil. I don't think it's you know, too much of a stretch to say that words can bring life and words can bring death. Especially in the spiritual sense. And you know what? There's a lot of spiritual words out there. There are a lot of religions that use spiritual words. But there's only one word that contains the words of truth and that can set the destiny of all for eternity. The word I'm speaking of is the word of God, both in the sense of Christ being the word of God, but also for the purposes of today, Scripture being the word of God. Only God's word is the right word. Only God's word is his word of covenant. But the right word is only going to do you good if you know it and you practice it. And so today is the day to stop making excuses for not knowing and practicing the right word. Today is the day that all pretense is laid to rest. As we come to a place of decision, is the word of God going to speak into my life or not? Will the word of God speak into my life or not? We have a decision to make. Now in the passage that we're looking at here, in Deuteronomy 30, Moses is renewing the, co the covenant with the next generation of Israelites who are going to act on God's promise and they're going to go into the promised land. And so here he encourages these Israelites to know and obey the word of God, his covenantal word with them, because it's for their good as they enter into this promised land. And the lesson that we learn today is that God's word, his, his revealed covenant declaration with us, his, his word is given for our good. His word is to be known. His, his word is to be obeyed because we're his covenant people. And so let's see what the word of God has to say about the word of God and how it can speak into our lives. I want to read verses 11 through 20. In Deuteronomy 30, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And this is Moses speaking, being inspired by the Lord. For this commandment that I command you today is not hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, well, who will ascend to heaven for us? 
and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, well, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and death, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, may we heed the call of hearing your word, knowing your word, obeying your word, letting it speak into our lives and direct us in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What do we need to know about the Word of God as His revealed covenant declaration? What do we need to know so that it motivates us to obey, to know, to live, to let it speak to us? I want to talk about some characteristics about the Word of God that should motivate us to allow the Word of God to speak into our lives. And so we'll go through several characteristics. The first characteristic that I want to mention is that God's Word is authoritative. God's Word is authoritative. Now, when you look at this in verse 11, Moses refers to the Word of God as the commandments that are commanded. They are commandments that are commanded. God's Word is not a bunch of suggestions. God's Word is not an advice column. It is not an opinion piece. It is not a blog. It is not a book about pop psychology. It is not a novel is not fiction. God's word is truth coming from the very mouth of God, and it is to be followed by all of humanity because behind these words is the authority of God himself. Now, a lost humanity that is separated from God is probably too spiritually blind to kind of come to this realization. But it would be assumed that God's covenant people would realize that this is God's revelation of himself. This is talking about his will and his purposes, and we ought to follow what it says because it comes from him. It has his authority behind it. And yet how often is the word of God ignored by these same people. And it's often replaced by their own opinions. How often do professing Christians say, this is what I believe, instead of saying, thus saith the Lord. Now the Israelites, they would enter into the promised land. 
but they would eventually shun the authority of God's word to their own detriment. They did what was right in their own eyes, following the authority of their own imaginations. And how many in the church replace the authority of the word with what they think is right and they think is wrong. They say things like, well, you know, I, I, I think this, I think that. There was a, a pastor who became, a, well, and I use that term loosely, a pastor who became a politician in Georgia who said, well, yeah, I think abortion is okay in God's sight. There's others that say, I think that you can cling to a perverse lifestyle and still be a Christian. Others in the pew might say, you know what, I think it's okay to, to gossip about this person because of what they did. Some of us, we might not say it out loud, but we say, I think that this sin is not that bad. I think that that sin is not that bad. You know what? It don't matter what you think. It don't matter what I think. What matters is what God said. Because you and I are not the final authority. God is, and he has laid out the terms of his covenant in his word. The word of God is authoritative. And there's nothing else that is authoritative for our life and for the practice of our faith. But not only is the word of God authoritative, secondly today, I want you to see that God's word is understandable. God's word is understandable. In verse 11, Moses says that the word of God is not too hard for you. It's not too hard. Right here, it destroys 99% of the excuses of people not getting into the word of God. How many times have you heard people say, well, I don't read the Bible because I can't understand it. It's just too hard for me. And unfortunately, there are false teachers and false religions and false ideas out there that kind of feed into that. There, there was one religious book from a supposedly Christian denomination. And in this book, it said, the Bible is not a clear and intelligible guide to all. That is what Oscar Mayer called 100% bona fide baloney. You didn't know Oscar Mayer was a theologian, did you? The Word of God is understandable to anybody who wants to understand it. It has been translated into your language. You don't have to know Hebrew and Greek. There are several translations in our language. And so maybe the King James is tripping you up a little bit. Well, guess what? There's plenty of other translations to go to if you can't grasp the King James. Not that the King James is bad, it's just... What do you understand? You can read God's Word. You can study God's Word. You can grasp God's Word. Now, I am not saying that there aren't parts of the Bible that are a little bit confusing. Hello, book of Revelation. Right? But the vast majority of the Bible and the things that we need to know for life and practice and salvation is understandable. It can be understood with a little effort of actually taking the time to understand it within its context. And I always harp on doing it within its context. It is so easy just to grab a Bible verse out of its context and make it mean whatever you want it to mean. 
But that's not how you read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible in its context, and you have to give the effort of trying to understand it in its context, and therein kind of lies the catch. You've got to make effort. And there might be the problem. There is so much lack of understanding because of laziness. People are too lazy. And they're too wrapped up in their phones and wrapped up in their social media and wrapped up in their entertainment to actually take time to understand the Bible. Unlike popular belief, you do not need a doctorate to understand Scripture. In fact, it's probably more helpful not to have a doctorate, not to offend any of us people that have doctorates. There, there was one church father that said, you know, it, he, he, he quipped this. He said, you know, a layperson could probably understand the Bible better than a doctor of theology could, while the doctor of theology gets so wrapped up in the details, the layperson will look at the Word and just put it into practice. Well, you know what? With the Holy Spirit and the investment of time, God's Word is understandable. You can know it. You can know it. And not only is it understandable, number three, God's Word is accessible. God's Word is accessible. You can actually get to God's Word. In verses 11 and 12, Moses says that the Word of God is not far off. You know, he, he says, you don't have to climb up to heaven to find the Word of God. You don't have to cross the sea in some sort of adventure to get to the Word of God. They had access to the very words of God. I mean, for the Israelites, I mean, to take it within their context, you know, Moses met face to face with God, and God dictated out the word for him. And it was given to the priests, and so the priests would have this law, and they would teach this law to the people. I mean, they had God's word right in the center of their community because God made provision to ensure that his covenant people had continual access to his word. The word of God is not like some of the mystical stuff you hear about. It's not like the mysticism of other religions where, you know, you kind of have to go on a journey and you have to go on a trek in order to find the truth. You know, maybe you've heard the stories about people who have climbed the mountains to get to this one wise man that stays all the way at the top of the mountain in order to find out the meaning of life. Moses already went up the mountain for us. God has revealed his truth. He has ensured, God has ensured that his truth has been recorded and copied and distributed. And today we are the beneficiaries in God's work to preserve his word. I mean, God has ensured that these 66 books that he inspired would remain and would be available for people to study. And it is for us. But now wait, we kind of, I'll call it a paradox. We live in a paradox in West, Western Christianity. In Western Christianity, the Word of God is more accessible today than it ever has been in history with untold translations of God's Word, with, with study tools, with commentaries, with quick access to information that's needed via the web or, or computer programs or things like that. And yet there has not been an age that has been as ignorant of the Word of God as our day and age is in Western Christianity. 
it is kind of a paradox. The very technologies that make God's Word so accessible are also the cause of the distractions that keep us away from the Word of God. The Word of God that's right at our fingertips. Right? Probably each and every one of us has access to dozens of Bibles, if not printed versions, online versions, electronic versions, computer programs, iPad programs, whatever. We have so much access to the Word of God at any time. You know, your smartphone, plenty of Bible apps, can even go online to find the Word. The problem is, are you taking advantage of the access that you have? Are you taking advantage of the way that God has made His Word accessible to you? And so God's Word is accessible. We have access to it. We can get to the very words of God. But not only is it accessible, fourth, God's Word is memorable. God's Word is memorable. In verse 14, Moses says that God's Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And so, I mean, thinking about the Israelites, I mean, they didn't have printing presses. I mean, every household did not have a copy of God's Word. And so the people would hear the Word as it was read to them by the priests and by the Levites. And what they would do is what they heard, they put it in their heart and they would memorize it and they would meditate on it daily so that when they needed it, it was in their heart, in their mind, and they would be able to speak it. They would be able to live it. And so that means that God's Word is not only accessible, not only understandable, you can actually hide it in your heart so that this authoritative text is, is right there. It's readily available for you when you need it. God has made His Word in such a way that it can be remembered in the heart. And, you know, the Jewish concept of heart included mind and not only intellect and, and, and all that. You would have it within you so that you can recite it and that you can use it at the time that it's needed. When you are faced with something, you can speak it, right? That's what Jesus did when He was tempted. When He was tempted, Satan did his thing trying to tempt Him, and Jesus would reply to that temptation, thus says the Lord. Because he had it in his heart. Jesus didn't have a phone. He didn't have a, a fancy app. You know, he didn't say, Satan, hold on one second. Let me look this up for you. Wait, just, just wait. He had it in his heart. He had it in his mind. He was able to recite it. Because it's memorable. It's memorable. I mean, we make jokes about memory. I make jokes about not having a good memory. Don't remember what I did yesterday for nothing or whatever. But you know what? We're making excuses. I'm making excuses for myself. Well, you know, since I hit 50, I just can't remember anything anymore. Eh, no, I, I remember stuff. I can remember stuff if I put, put my mind to it. There's this story about a humble villager in this small hamlet in Poland who received a Bible from a Bible distributor a few years before World War II. And this humble villager read the Bible and, and was converted, came to faith in, in Jesus Christ. And they just had that one Bible in the whole village, and through that one Bible, 200 people became believers. 
Several years later, this same Bible distributor came into this village. It was the summer of 1940. And, and so the whole village gathered to, to worship, to listen to this guy preach. And the man suggested that instead of, you know, a normal service, that they all just recite verses of Scripture. And when, he, you know, this distributor suggested, hey, let, let's just recite verses of Scripture, you know, he was thinking, okay, let's, you know, look it up and read it. But one of the, one of the villagers arose and said, do you want us to recite verses or chapters? And, you know, he thought for a minute and he said, do you mean to tell me that there are people in this village who can recite from memory entire chapters of the Bible? They said, yeah, but not only entire chapters. There's people in, in this village that can recite to you an entire book from memory because they only had the one Bible. That 13 of the villagers memorized Matthew and Luke and half of Genesis. One of them had committed the entire Psalms to memory. In fact, between these 200 villagers, they almost knew the entire Bible by memory because they only had the one Bible in the village. And so they would pass it from family to family. They would bring it to the, their gatherings on Sundays. And then in a few short years, I mean, just because the Bible was used so much, it, it got worn out and the pages were hardly legible. And so the only way to hear the Word of God was to recite it from the heart. They had it in their heart and they would bring it out of their mouth. And Moses says, God's Word is in your heart. It's in your mouth. Because the authoritative text of God can be internalized. It can be... It can be hidden deep within the heart. So then you are ready to share it. You are ready to act on it. And that leads us to the fifth characteristic that I want to talk about today. The fifth characteristic is that God's Word is doable. God's Word is doable. You can do it at the end of verse 14. That's exactly what Moses says. You can do it. You know, the, the Bible, taken within its context, it's not just, you know, filled with a bunch of rules and regulations that are just so out of reach for everyone. You can actually obey God. You know, now I mentioned that, but I, I give a little fine print there. Because Paul, especially in his epistle to the Romans, reminds us that we have this sin principle within us. We are born in Adam. We have this rebellious streak within us. And then we have the world, the flesh, and the devil working against us. And so we choose not to do it because of, I mean, from the fall and on. That's just the way us humans are. But with that being said, God, through Jesus Christ, makes us a new person. God gives us, through Christ, His Holy Spirit. So we have the ability to hear, read, listen, obey, the problem is, we just don't do it. We choose not to. The one of the problems is we, we don't rely on the Holy Spirit. We rely on the flesh. And so we choose to sin. But when you're saved, when you come to Christ and you are given the Holy Spirit, you are now given an, an ability to obey. The Holy Spirit within us empowers us, if we would just so lean on Him, to obey. 
Now, when I, when I say that, you know, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is some sort of force. It's not some sort of, like, energy. You kind of turn an on and off with a, a switch. The Holy Spirit is a person. You know, there's not some magical formula to turn the Holy Spirit on and off. You know, I saw on a, on a trending video, I mean, it was just the silliest thing that I ever saw. But it was this lady on, who was on the Family Feud game show. And before she started answering the questions, you know, she thought that she could turn the Holy Spirit on and off to help her answer the questions. And so she starts dancing. And she starts clapping and saying, Holy Spirit, activate, activate, activate. And I'm looking at this going, what? Are you out of your mind? That is not how it works. Activate. Turn on, switch the Holy Spirit, turn it off, turn it. I mean, if you have that ability, why would you ever want to turn the Holy Spirit off? I mean, that's not how it works. Oh, people sometimes. You know, you, you, on a side note, you look at some of these videos and you, you, you just think there is no hope for humanity sometimes, right? But praise God, there's hope in Jesus Christ. Even, even for people on stupid videos, the Holy Spirit is God who is within us, who empowers us to live out what Scripture says within its context. Again, I'm going to harp on that because, you know, there's some things that don't apply to us. There's some things that don't apply to us anymore. I mean, we don't have to worry about whether or not we wear clothes with mixed fibers. I mean, that was, a, that was in the Old Testament, Right? We don't have to worry about whether or not we boil goats in their mother's milk. I mean, first off, you're like, why in the world would anyone do that? But it was a thing. But I'll tell you what, in God's Word, there are precepts that are eternal. There are commands given by our Lord Jesus Christ to obey, and by the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to do that. And we, but we choose not to do it. You know, we, we use our humanity as a crutch sometimes. And what I mean by that is, we don't even try to obey. We just say, well, you know, I'm human. I'm not going to obey anyway. So we'll, we use, we use our, our sinfulness as a crutch. Well, you know, just, I am what I am, and so I'm not even going to try. Well, but, but Moses says, you can do it. And Jesus Christ has made us new people. I mean, either he has or he hasn't, right? I mean, either, I mean, the Bible's either lying or he has made us new. The old things have passed away. And he says, I'm going to have my Father send the Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. And so it, the Word of God is doable, it's just that we don't want to do it. Because we still have the sin principle that we wrestle with. We still have the flesh that we wrestle with but guess what no more excuses you know what we do fall short and when we do fall short there is good news there is mercy there is forgiveness and this leads to the sixth characteristic that i want to talk about god's word is life-giving god's word is life-giving it gives life let me explain what i mean 
Beginning in verse 15, Moses explains that through the, the words, the commands that God gives through him, a choice is now set before them. They're going to have life or they're going to have death. They're going to have spiritual prosperity or they're going to have spiritual depravity. And to choose to follow God's word is the path of, of life. Now that does not mean it's a works-based kind of spirituality that, you know, again, that the whole mysticism thing, you work your way up a ladder of enlightenment or something like that. Even though the word of God is doable, the problem is we don't do it. We haven't done it. And Moses makes it clear, and Paul picks up on this later, and James, and well, all the New Testament writers, if you don't do it, that leads to death. Paul makes clear in Romans that the law, God's word, tells us what to do, but we still don't do it, and it leaves death. We are left spiritually dead. But there is a path to life. And the Bible points us to this path of life. It started with Moses. It went through the books of history. It went through the prophets. It went through the, the, the writings, the wisdom literature. It went throughout all of the Old Testament. This really is a road paving the way to how God would give life. How God would provide life for a people, a humanity, that constantly chose death. This path is then highlighted in the Gospels, and it is explained and expounded upon in the epistles. God's word is life-giving because it declares to us who the life-giver is. It points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who alone is the way, the truth, and the life. God's word is life-giving because it points us to Jesus. Because God's word declares us as dead men and women because we have not obeyed. We have chosen to do the exact opposite of what God's word has said. You know, God, he, he gives us his word. He points the way to us and like precocious two-year-olds, we're like, no. And he coaxes us and he, he tries to draw us to himself and we're like, no. That's the path of death that we're all on. The Word of God is doable, it's just we don't do it. We don't want to do it. As Moses describes in, in our passage, our heart turns from God and His Word. The Word of God speaks, but we don't listen. We spiritually stick our fingers in our ears and go, la, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not going to do it. But thankfully, the Word of God points us to the Word of God made flesh. And the Word of God made flesh obediently followed the Word. He actually did it. He showed us how we can do it. He died on the cross to pay the price for our condemnation because we didn't do it. And He rose again and sent His Spirit so that we would have a life that is empowered to do it. Yes, we still don't do it. We can't get too frustrated, though, because we entrust ourselves to the one who did it, who gives us life. And we can live in the light of God's word through him. We can allow the word of God to speak to us. And when you have that life 
through Jesus Christ, verse 20 tells us you love the Lord your God. You obey his voice. You hold fast to him because he is your life. The word of God gives life because it points to the life giver, Jesus Christ. And the word of God speaks to us, pointing us to Jesus so that we believe upon him and we make him our life. We make him everything. You know, I, I love in verse 20 how it says, you hold fast to him. The word of God points us to hold fast to Jesus. Sometimes we're weak and we kind of let go, but the Bible tells us that he doesn't let go of us. He never lets go of us. Jesus is not an add-on. You know, you buy an app on your phone, your iPad, and then it says, well, you can spend this money and add this on. And then you can spend this money and add that on and all this other thing on. You can, till, till oblivion, you can add all these things to your app, whatever. Jesus is not an add-on. You don't have, well, I'm going to live my life, and then when I want that part of the app, I want that part of the program in my life, well, then I'm going to go to the Jesus add-on. No, he is life. He's the entire app, so to speak. He is our everything. What is Jesus to you? What is his word to you? God hasn't remained hidden. God has revealed himself. He's revealed his will. He's revealed his purpose. He's revealed his covenant. He's revealed the stipulations to the covenant. All in the word we have here what we need at, at the end of the the previous chapter at the end of of chapter 29 of deuteronomy moses says this he, he he told the israelites that hidden things belong to the lord meaning that there are things that god has not shared with humanity and we need to stop obsessing over those things that god has not shared with humanity but Moses goes on to say that the things that are revealed to us and to our children, they're revealed. They're for us. They're for our children so that we can do them. So that we can see what God has revealed and live by what God has revealed. He has shown us his will. Now live in his will. And so instead of worrying about what we don't know, let's get into what we can know. The Word of God. Let the Word of God speak to us. That is our authority. The Word of God is understandable. It is accessible. We can memorize it and put it in our hearts so we can know it and do it and live in light of it so that Jesus Christ becomes our all in all. Today, Christian, come to the altar and pray that God will speak life into your life through His Word. Come and repent of choosing to ignore His Word. Come and commit yourself that I am going to follow God's word. Maybe there's some of you today who are looking for a church home. Come forward and join yourself to Harvest Baptist Church where we're always going to let the word of God speak. Not anything or anyone else. But maybe some of you, you don't have life because you've never believed in Jesus Christ. 
You say, well, I, I have life because I'm religious. I have life because I go to church. I have life because I'm a good guy. None of that gives life. Because you are full of death because you have broken God's word. The only healing is Jesus Christ. He shed his blood so that you can be saved. Believe upon him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.